friends, let us begin. We're going to be doing the second portion of Bayetze. But first, we'll go back to a question that was raised when we did the end of the first portion. It seems as if Yaakov has a little bit of skepticism where God is promising him something. God tells him, I'm going to take care of you. And Jacob seems to word his vow. He takes a vow and he says, if God, that's the big word, if, if God is going to do everything he said, then I'm going to offer this, I'm going to tithe and I'm going to offer this um, matzivah. So we wonder what was going on. I think that was Hillel's question. You know, Jacob, one of our patriarchs, isn't he a man of faith? Is that Abraham was a man of faith and so on. So this is a question that is raised by the commentaries. And there's several approaches. One of them is to say that Jacob was afraid that he may lose God's promise through his own demerits. By doing something wrong, he would then disqualify himself from the fulfillment of God's promise. In the Hebrew, Shema Yigraim Hachet. Maybe some kind of a sin that he would do would cause that he would no longer merit the special blessing that God had given him. That is one explanation. Um, another is just not to translate im as if. So the word that they're translating here as if in verse 20 is the word im. But as I mentioned, it's possible to translate im also as when. In Torah, sometimes the word im means when. So those are the two, basically the two different approaches. And just one more thing to point out is in this verse here where he says, and if I, if I return in peace to my father's house and the Lord will be my God. So the important thing is, to, is they added in the word if over here. It's not in the verse. But the, the, the Lord will be my God is, is not the, the uh, conclusion of his statement. It's not, if God will take care of me, then God will be my God. That sounds, doesn't sound like Jacob. Rather, as Rashi explains, this is part of the if. If I return in peace to my father's house and the Lord will be my God, meaning that God will be with me so that I do not sin. Right? This idea that the, uh, without God's help, we, we, we're powerless with our Yetzahara. So with, if God will be my God and I, and I will not sin and my kids will all be good, then I'm going to bring this offering. And so uh, the idea of a nether, the idea of a vow, is to push oneself, to push oneself to get things done correctly. So that was a great question. And those are some of the comments of the commentaries that's what they do they're commentaries so let us keep going now to the second portion a lot is going to happen so let's jump into it this is chapter 29 verse 1 Jacob lifts up his feet and he went toward the land of the people of the east. Head east, my son. Once he got the good news. That he was guaranteed that he's going to be watched over by God. 
so his heart lifts up his feet, so to speak, and it became, he became light-footed, fleet-footed. He wasn't dragging his feet. He was going with zest, with chayas, with light, with liveliness, because he was he felt confident. God said he's going to take care of him. So it is explained in Bereshis Rabbah, in the Madrash Bereshis Rabbah, 78. And he looks, and behold, there is a well in the field. And there are three flocks of sheep that are lying next to the well. We've had this before, where the word al, which typically we think of as upon, or aleha, upon it, means next to it. Because from that well, the shepherds are going to give water to their flocks. And this massive rock is upon the mouth of the well. So what would happen is that all of the flocks would gather there. And the practice was that they would, they would roll off the evan, the stone, from upon the mouth of the well. And they would then water the flocks. And then they would return it to where it belonged, put the rock back on the mouth of the well. So this whole verse is just describing the protocol, how things worked. As Rashi explains at length, the tense, the tense of these of these verbs. So Jacob says to them, Achai, my brothers, may Ayinatem, from where are you? And they said, We are from Haran. He said to them, Do you know love on the son of Nachar? They said, Yadainu. Yeah, we know him. And that's it. Interesting. They don't say anything further. They ask the question. The answer is yes. He said to them, Are things going well with him? Is everything shalom? Is everything okay? He said, Yeah. And behold, happens to be, his daughter Rachel is coming with the sheep. Interesting, Rashi will tell us this word ba'a. So this is the feminine for, for, form of ba. So ba is to come for a male. Ba'a with a hey is for a female. But depending on which of these letters you emphasize, if you say ba'a or you say ba'a, it has a different meaning. So listen out to the Torah reader this week in Shul. See if he gets it right. Because if he gets it wrong, you could yell at him. Ba'a imatzon means is coming with the sheep. It's, it is um, present tense. Whereas we're soon going to have another verse where she already arrived, where it says ba'a imatzon. The emphasis is on the first. And you can see it where you have the trump. You see this backwards comma. Backwards comma, that is one of the, that's a trap, that's a cantillation, and that tells you, it's un, since it's under the Aleph, to emphasize the Aleph.
little grammar lesson. Verse 7, Vayomer, and he said, Yaakov said, Hain gadol. Behold, the day is yet, is yet long. Gadol, it's big. It's not yet time to gather in the livestock. Why don't you water your sheep and go back and pasture? Now, of course, Yaakov uh, will see later with Moshe that it's a very similar situation where the, the Jew shows up, Jacob or Moses, goes to the well, finds a wife, but also starts telling the locals what to do. I read an interesting uh, pshetl that how did he get away with it because he first said, Achai, my brothers. If you want to rebuke people and you don't want them to throw it back at you, you, you start off softly. Achai, brother, my brother. Then you can give him a little rebuke. Now Rashi will also comment on the fact that there seems to be a double expression here. The day is yet, is, is yet long. That would seem to be enough. There seems to be an extra phrase over here. It's not yet time to bring in the Mikdash. So Rashi will say that he's actually alluding to two different things. Let's see what he says. So, Yaakov sees these guys just laying around. So he thought that they wanted to bring in the flocks into their homes. And they weren't going to be, to be grazing anymore that day. So he said to them, the day is yet long. And he's saying two things. He's saying, if you are schirim, if you are hired hands, if you're getting paid to do to be a shepherd, you have not fulfilled your day's work that you're getting paid by your employer. That's he says, the day is yet, is yet great, is yet long. And if you are owner users, these are your animals. Even if they belong to you, it's not yet time to take in the sheep. It's interesting that Yaakov is criticizing them in the first option about being honest employee. We'll see later that Yaakov specializes in this. That he works for Lavan, that even though he's working for Lavan, who was a Ramai, he was a um, thief. Yaakov himself, even though he's being cheated by, by Lavan, he himself was honest and never lost his integrity. He was very he was known for his integrity even in working for Lavan. In fact, even in Shulchan Aruch, in the Code of Jewish Law, if I'm not mistaken, it quotes from Yaakov, how Yaakov acted as an employee. He wouldn't steal. His time belonged to his employer who was getting paid, so he wouldn't, he wouldn't waste any time. So they respond, They said, we cannot, we can't. Why? We have to wait for all the flocks to gather. By the way, of course, there's a lot of detail here in the story. You've got to look in the Medrash to find out what's going on. It talks about the three. There are three flocks. Why is that important? So there's a lot of hints going on over here. So we've got to wait till all of these flocks gather. And they, then we will roll off the stone from the mouth of the well. And then we'll give the flocks to drink. 
So basically they're saying the rock is too heavy. He's still talking to them. There you go. There's the bow with the, the, the emphasis on the base. With her father's sheep. She is a shepherd. By the way, no more grammar for you. A male shepherd is ro'eh. And a female shepherd is ro'ah. And it's behold when Yaakov saw Rachel, Bas Lavan, the daughter of Lavan, who was the brother of his mother, and he saw the sheep of Lavan, the brother of his mother. Seems to be some extra words here. Vayigash Yaakov, Yaakov approached. He rolled off the stone from upon the mouth of the well. And he gave to drink sheep of Lavan, the brother of his mother. It's repeated three times. The brother of his mother three times. Rashi says, Yaakov approached and he rolled off. Like somebody who removes the stopper from a bottle. That's how easy it was for him to roll off the stone. To tell you that he had great strength. Yaakov kissed Rachel. And he raised up his voice and he cried. Wow. Now there's a mysterious matter. Why would he cry? Vayev, says Rashi, He saw by divine prophecy that she would not end up being buried with him. He is buried in Maratha Machpelah in Hebron. And she is buried in Beis Lechem. Both places you need some heavy, heavy armor to get to. So the fact that he's, he foresees what's happening in the future and he's crying. We see this also later with Yosef and Binyamin when they meet. After years and years, they're crying. And what are they crying about? Something that will happen a few thousand years in the future. Rashi's second interpretation is that he's crying because he came empty-handed. Omar, he said, Eliezer of Adavi, Eliezer, who's the servant of my grandfather, he had all these goodies, rings and bracelets and treats. I have nothing. Why did he have nothing? Because Eliphaz, who was the son of Esau, pursued Yaakov by the command of his father. Esau told Eliphaz, go get Jacob and kill him. So he was running after him, to kill him, and he caught up to him. But because Eliphaz grew up in the lap of Isaac, so he, he was his uncle, they had a good relationship. So he was going to kill him because his father told him to. 
and he specialized in kibudav, just like Esav specialized in honoring his father. But he just couldn't. So he takes back his hand. He doesn't kill him. So now he asks his uncle Jacob, I got a problem. I, my father told me to kill you. And he, he commanded me. I, I got to do it. So what do I do now? So Jacob gave him advice. I'll tell you what to do. Take everything that is in my hands. Take all my possessions. And a poor person is considered as if he's dead. We talked about death in an earlier class. That it means somebody who is not so much in this world. Not as so entrapped in the materialist nature of this world. So a poor person who has nothing in this world is in a sense beyond this world. And so this is the, the uh, idea that Jacob gives to Eliphaz, his nephew. So, so I, I think one thing is surprising. How can Yaakov kiss Rachel? There's no betrothal. I mean, it's completely presumptuous without any... You can get, arre- you can get arrested for that in some places. Yes, right. <laughs> There's no, there's no hint of it. <laughs> well, let's look at that. Let's look at they're, that. Uh, they're related, right? It's like family seeing each other. Right, they're cousins. Okay. Cousins. No, but but the, the, Rachel, the, the 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 his going to be his wife. You know, so I'm, right, I'm but gonna... but but she is his cousin. Right. His cousin. No, a first cousin, right? This is. It's his, it's his mother's right. Right, right, right. brother's right. daughter, the first cousins. Yeah. That's a good question. Okay, let's keep going, and then we'll, we'll come back to it. Let's see if we can finish. Yeah, I think we can finish this. So Yaakov tells Rachel, I am the brother of your father. Now Rashi will tell us he doesn't mean literally his brother. He means the relative, kinsman of your brother, of your father. I am the son of Rivka. You know Rivka, your aunt. So she goes and runs and tells her father. Now, going back to our earlier discussion, it seems like he first kissed her and then he told her who he was. So it continues to raise the question, but maybe, you know, we'll go back to it. Now, the Rashi cites a medrash over here. When he says, I am the brother of your father, so the first explanation of Rashi is that brother is kinsman. It doesn't literally mean brother. But he gives a second interpretation, and he says, no, he meant brother. Not a biological brother, but I am the, his brother in deception. And he says to her, if your father is going to come at me with trickery, I could also play that game. Who, if he's a kosher man, if he's straight, honest, then I am the son of Rivka, who is Kshera. So basically, he describes himself in two ways. I'm the brother of your father, but I'm also the son of Rivka. I can do it both ways. 
So she goes and tells her father, Lafishima Man Al Rashi is wondering why is she running to her father, not to her mother? Why is that a question? Because when Rivka Rivka is, is approached by Eliezer, he doesn't kiss her, but he starts putting rings on her, uh, bracelets on her. And she goes and runs to her mother. And the Rashi explained there is the way of a, of a girl to go tell her mother. So why is he going to, she, why is uh, Rachel going to her father? Rashi explains, because her mother had passed away. So she had to go to her father to tell what happened. When Lovan hears that Yaakov, the son of his sister, has arrived, he goes, runs towards him, and he hugs him, and he kisses him. Now, don't get too excited. Rashi will explain that this was Lovan doing his thing. He brings him into his home, and Yaakov tells Lovan all of these things. Now, what are all of these things? The verse doesn't explain, but Rashi will. Let's see. Why did he come running? He was so excited to see Yaakov. He thought he had money. Why did he think he had money? Because the last time somebody came from Abraham's household was Eliezer, the servant of Abraham, and he was just a servant. And he came with 10 camels laden with goods. So he thought if servants coming with 10 camels, wow, who knows what Jacob's coming with. Basically, Lovan is being described as quite greedy. So what does he hug him? It's not out of any love. He saw he didn't have anything. So he said maybe he's got some gold coins and they're in his bosom. So he's hugging him. He's trying to feel where's the money. So he kisses him. This is also not of any love. He thought maybe there are pearls and they're in his mouth. He couldn't imagine that he came penniless. So that explains, now with this whole background, we now understand the end of the verse that he told him all of these things. What are all of these things? Says Rashi, he explained to him that I just came compelled because of my brother, Esau, and that all my money has been taken from me. So Lovin says to him, but you are my bone and my flesh. You're my relative. And so he stayed with him for a full month. Why was he? What, is it, what does he mean? You're my bone and my flesh, says Rashi. Really, I shouldn't take you in because you're penniless. But because you're my relative, I'll take care of you for one month. And so he did. But even so, he didn't let him stay for free. He made him a shepherd. Work for your uh, lodging. Now Lovin says to Yaakov, am I your brother that he should work to me, for me for free? Just because we're related, does that mean you shouldn't get paid? Tell me what you need to get paid. Now, Lavan had two daughters. The older one was called Leah. And the name of the smaller one was Rachel, the younger one. And the eyes of Leah were tender. But Rachel was beautiful features and beautiful complexion. Rashi explains why were the eyes of Leah tender because she thought that she is going to end up married to Esau, cousin Esau, because she was the older daughter and he was the older brother. She was crying. Everybody said there's two and two. The older marries the older, the younger marries the younger, so she's crying. So her tears caused her eyes to become tender. And that is how the Aliyah ends.
quit uh, crying out of uh, sorrow, crying, crying yeah. out of excitement, or no, no, no. She didn't want to be married to Asa. Asa was a wild man. So happy. Well, she was crying out of sadness that she may end up being married to Asa. Maybe she's crying with with prayer, praying to God. Maybe. Tova. Do me a favor. Now, interestingly, I'll give you a, uh, a little Kabbalistic teaching before we go back to the Vayishak Yaakov kiss. Is that in, in Kabbalah, Leah and Rachel represent or embody two of the letters of God's name. Yudke Vavke, right? The letter, God's name is Yudke Vavke, Y and H and V and H. So which has two He's, two of the letter He, which are both feminine. Shem Hagdoilo, the the Hey Gidola. So Hagidola, the, the 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 older one, can also be read as Hey Gidola, the great Hey. So the great Hey in God's name, Yutkivavki, is the first one. And Leah is associated with that Hey. Is the world of Machshava of thought. That's the great Hey. V'Shem Haktana Leah. So Hey, I'm sorry, Rachel. Hey Katana, the smaller hey, even though when you look at the name of God written out, they're both written the same size. It doesn't mean physically a larger letter or a smaller letter. But the second letter is is further down. So it's right, Yudkivavki, the name of God. We talked about it when we learned Hecholzu. Yudkivavki starts the Yud starts at the highest level, which is Chokhmah. That's why it's just a point. You know, it's the beginning of anything, it's the seed of the thing. And then it gets lower and lower. It's kind of the transmission. From higher to lower. So the last hay, the second hay, is at a lower level than the first hay. That's why it's called hay kitana. So in, in, in the spheros, the first hay is bina, and the last hay is malchus, it's action, it's speech. So Rachel is the world of speech, and Leah is the world of machshava, of thought. And this is why it's explained in the Kabbalah of Yaakov's attraction to Rachel, it's not the physical beauty but rather an attraction to what Rachel represents, which is the world of speech and, by extension, the world, the world of action, whereas Leah is more in the theoretical. And Yaakov's, Yaakov seeks the, um, the world of action. So that is a, just a little taste of, of the Kabbalah on, on this whole story. What I would like to do is, first of all, wait... Uh, Open it up to questions and comments. Rachel is the only one of the matriarchs and patriarchs not buried at the cave of Machpelah. Right. Why? Why not? Why? Why is she left out? That's a great question. So in in this parsha, we have a kind of a negative, um, on the surface. Report on that. So, we may not get to it. So I'll give you a sneak preview is that um, Rachel sells her right to be with Yaakov. You know, he had a number of wives, so there was a rotation. And he bought, he purchased the Dudaim, the Jasmine, from, from, uh, from Leah. In, in, um, in, and she paid for that. She paid for those Dudaim, the, the Jasmine, giving Leah her turn to be with Yaakov. And from that night, Yisachar, one of the 12 tribes, was born. 
Rashi on that comment says that because she gave up the chance to be with the tzaddik, she lost out and is not, not buried together with him. However, there's a much more, much more um, you know, favorable to Rachel interpretation in the Medrash, which doesn't necessarily contradict the Rashi, but it requires more study, in that, is that Rachel needs to be positioned in a place where when the Jewish people are sent into exile, they're going to pass by her grave. And so she's buried along the road. And there's a very famous Midrash that says that God was, God is saying that the Jewish people have worshipped idols and therefore they deserve to be destroyed. And Rachel stands up for the Jewish people. There's a famous verse in the, in the prophets, Rachel Mavaka Albanel. Rachel Mavakal Banel. She's crying for her children. And her children being her descendants. And, and uh, oh, you know, Abraham comes and tries to defend the Jewish people. Doesn't work. Isaac, Jacob, God is not impressed. Till Rachel comes and Rachel says, God, why are you so jealous of the, of the, uh, of the idols? You're jealous of the idols? They, they worship the idols? Let me tell you about me. Let me tell you about Rachel. I was supposed to marry Jacob. And I gave my sister, let my sister Leah marry him because I didn't want her to be embarrassed as the famous story has it. And so God says, ah, that's an argument. That's a winning argument. And so she speaks up on behalf of the Jewish people. She's the mother of the Jewish people. Famous story with Rabbi Lau and Yitzhak Rabin that uh, they were going to give away Beis Lechem which is where Rachel is buried, Rachel Imenu. Rachel mevako aleboneho Rachel. So many songs have been made about Rachel. So they were going to give it away. And the story is that Rabbi Lau called, spoke to Rabin and he said, you don't give away your mother. Can't give away your mother. So Beis Lechem stayed stayed under Israeli control. So that's the beauty of the story, is that Rachel's kids, it's really self-sacrifice. She's, she's self-sacrifice that she is, and it's the story of her life. Her self-sacrifice that she allows Leah to marry Yaakov. So the, the 12 tribes have to be born from these four women. And the fact that she's not buried in the Marat HaMachbelah, you know, this very special place where Adam and Eve are buried and Abraham and and Sarah and Yitzchak and Rivka. So she doesn't get that. She's buried all by herself. I visited Beis Lechem. Beautiful. Visit, not Beis Lechem. I visited Rachel's grave. There's a kolo there. People study all the time. And it's a very, very, very holy place. So where is uh, Leah buried? Leah's in, in Hebron, in Marata Machpelah. So you know, I was uh, I heard uh, an interesting that's a long time ago some uh, uh, a story about Leah. You could uh, her life was very interesting, and from the names of the, her kids, you could actually see the progression in Jacob' love to her over time. That it starts, uh, I think, at the last son is like uh, he. Uh, he loved me or something like that. He accepted me. Um, so I, 
you can go kid by kid and you see how her um, statue at the house of Jacob had grown to be the head of the, you know, the family. Right. It's kind of interesting. I, I, I forget the, like the, how each names. Right. She explains, right? She goes name by name. And she right. So the, f- the, f- the first one was Ruvain, which is, you know, God saw my, my plight, my pain. Right. Shimon, God heard my plight. And then yeah. Levi already is a, is a expression of connection. Exactly. That she's now connected to Yaakov because she's already given him three children, three right. sons. And then Yehuda's thankfulness, right? It starts yeah. off with all about the pain. Then it's yeah. more about the connection and the thankfulness. And then Reuben Shem Levi, the Yisachar. Yisachar is reward. Zivulun, is that's what you're referencing, is Zivul means a, a home. Base Zivul. It's a, you know, this is your, your, your dwelling. And so she says, now, now she's become the dwelling because she right. now has all of these children. So I have one more question. I'm a little bit ahead because I read ahead and I don't know if I'll participate in next meeting. Um, did Jacob work 14 years? Did Jacob work seven years, got Leah, and then worked another seven years to get Rachel? Or I think Rashi explains that he married, he had to wait seven days or so to marry Rachel and then work seven years basically for that gift, essentially. So was it seven years marriage, seven years marriage, or seven years marriage, seven days, second marriage, and then work seven years for that second? Uh, it wasn't clear. Right, I think you, you got it right. According to Rashi, Rashi says, because it says, Malay Shavua Zot. Let this week, Shavua is a week or a set of seven days, as Rashi says it, Sheva from the word Sheva, and then you will marry, and you will then marry. In other words, what's Shavua Zot? Shavua Shel Zot. Shavua this the week of this one of Le- of Leah. You got to have the seven days of, of celebration, then you can marry Rachel, with the condition that you're going to work another seven years. So you work seven years for Rachel. He thinks he's getting Rachel. He ends up getting Leah, but no, he doesn't have to wait another seven years, according to Rashi. Anyone else? Question, comment? A theory. Yeah. But I, I know that Jacob is a holy righteous man. person. Holy man, righteous. Yeah. But, but I'm, uh, I asked myself that question. Um, did God uh, brought Laban to... Uh, to cheat on him as uh, as basically payback you know, pay for Esau. Yeah. Yeah, I think that, that, that the, I mean, obviously it's very different. His mother told him to do it. And she, as I explained, that that has a, has a level of prophecy that she came with. But yeah, still there is, there is that. I think that even, you know, in the commentaries that does come up. All right, let's have a look at this verse, Vayishak Yaakov Lerachel, in our, uh, in Sepharia. 
And let's see what we get. Let's see what we find. We go fishing. <laughs> see, we have any English over here? Here we go. Rabbeinu Bachia. Yaakov gets Rachel. The reason the Torah referred to Rachel as Kitana, the small one, is that she was still a minor and Yaakov could not consummate marriage vows with her. This was the reason Lavan was not worried to hand his flocks to her instead of to his already adult daughter who was liable to be molested by the male shepherds on account of her age. We should also note that Yaakov did not kiss Rachel on the head, on the mouth, but on the head or the shoulder.